0: Welcome to Catholic stuff you should know,
1: a J10 initiative. Hello, welcome to Catholic stuff you should know. This is once again Father Michael O'Loughlin here with my buddy Father Michael Rapp. Hopefully not for the last time, but possibly.
0: Oh no, don't make me. Two cry. of two.
1: No, we'll do it. You again. got me all
0: emotional at the end of that last
1: podcast. <laughs> the beauty of marriage. Amen. I'm, I'm going to go to Rome though in October and see you.
0: Oh, that's Maybe right. Maybe we can yeah. record
1: something then. That'd oh, be that'd be great. Weird and cool.
0: Hopefully, we'll have everything going over there.
1: Yeah. So,
0: uh, Father John Neppel and I are hoping to podcast from Rome, half of the podcast, but we don't have our equipment worked out and all that stuff figured out. But so, pray hopefully for that before long.
1: Pray for that. Uh, awesome. You know
0: what else we need to pray for? Is this podcast. Yeah. We usually um, start with a prayer uh, before <laughs> we begin. And um, oh, we didn't we're do bad that, priests. <laughs> so we're not bad priests. Um, but what what do you what do you think of doing that right now? Yeah, we can do it on air. Let's
1: do it. Go ahead. You, you lead.
0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for life and for uh, the grace of faith, uh, knowing your Son Jesus and His life and death and resurrection for us. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you poured out. It gives us uh, the prayers we need, the words we need in prayer, the words we need uh, to glorify you and um, to act as priests. We ask that you bless this time of podcast, that you, um, that you walk with us, that you be present to us, and um, that you uh, give us the words that, uh, that the people need to hear, uh, the words speak through us, and um, that uh, you might be known, that you might be more known and more glorified throughout the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Yeah, okay. Now I feel ready. Yep. Oh. Rock and roll. Um, well, let's see. I don't want to betray my friends who are so committed to Maker's Mark bourbon. Huh? But We uh, are in Colorado,
1: though. We're in Colorado,
0: <laughs> and I'm drinking the Silver Bullet. <laughs> yeah. Coors Light.
1: Oh, I thought it was Banquet.
0: No, the Banquets the original. Yeah,
1: I I just mis missed read the can. No, Banquets the baller beer though. Is it? I oh I have I have friends like that are olfactory savants. Like friends that that I don't that, even know it. That sounds so fancy. <laughs> I think I made it up. But it's in other words they're amazing at smells. Like oh, like yeah. they can smell stuff and they can tell the intricacies of, of you know of wine of cheese of chocolate of cigars of pipes, and they say that when they drink, it's like if you've ever if you ever taste done beer tastings. There's like four different times that you smell the beer, you know, like like one is just when you first pour it in. But anyway, the last time is literally as the beer is going down your throat. I'm sure it's the same with wine. I just don't know. You're supposed know to be this.
0: smelling the whole time, right?
1: So, so literally, as it's going down your throat, you breathe out your nose, and you smell the 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 beer as it's going down your throat and you're breathing out your nose like normally when you smell something you breathe in your nose yeah i don't see how that works but it, it's amazing i've done it I, I i'm can, gonna you, try you, it right now yeah so sip it and as it's going down your throat, breathe out your nose and, and see what it smells like it'll be a whole new experience of beer
0: uh your weird savants strain. <laughs> strange i don't know i mean i didn't smell anything it was like the opposite of smelling yeah it was well, like get, get maybe i'm thinking to get hard, something less I?
1: Colorado Kool Aid, than Coors Light. <laughs> Get oh, something good, like an IPA or something. I love it.
0: This is Rocky Mountain, uh, cold, fresh. I don't. It's not spring water. It's mountain water. Yeah, Run off.
1: It is mountain water. I, I like Coors Light, but I like Bankrupt Beer better. I, I did a I did a wedding up in in North Dakota, and the Colorado the guy from Colorado he loved Bankrupt Beer so much that he brought like cases and cases of of Coors banquet beer up there, the original, brought oh, yeah. it up there so we could have it at the wedding because I guess you can't get Coors in in or at least in this part of North Dakota. Podunk, oh, Devil's Lake. God North bless you, friend. Yeah, so he brought it up it was it was absolutely wonderful.
0: I think it's kind of a nostalgic flavor, but I love it. It's nice and cold. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we switched sides. Can you tell? Yeah. And it's it was supposed to be an adjustment because uh, Flolo's lo- voice is booming and strong, and my voice is. I don't know whatever the opposite is. <laughs>
1: uh, Embarrassing, yeah. but you you have a you have a, a power behind it. Oh, thank, it. You. Yeah. thank you, thank you. An the authority the, that's behind the spirit, your voice man. That's that we've not spirit. seen before.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> except when I
1: laugh. Somebody told me the other day I laugh like a girl on this podcast. You laugh. like I think a girl? it's just a little squeak. Idea. I have the
0: silliest <laughs> little giggle. I don't. I don't even think you want to. We'll get <laughs> Let's to that. not go there. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Okay, so um, we're supposed to talk about. Um, some Catholic stuff. and uh,
1: <laughs> That you should know.
0: I don't know. If, well, new banter. New people, new banter. So I wanted to talk about the, uh, the priesthood, and Amen. particularly through the lens of the vestments that a priest wears mm. that have meaning for who he is and what he does and his role um, in the church and in the world. And then wanted to connect that to the common priesthood. We'll see how far we get. Mm. Yeah? Let's do it. Okay, so um, the vestments that the priest wears... I don't know if I should give some background. Well, maybe as we go. Okay. Most people
1: don't know, so I'd say give as much background as you need.
0: Okay, so just, if you know, Catholics out there, you go to Mass, and the priest usually vests in the sacristy, which is a a room either at the side of the sanctuary or in the back of the church or something, mm-hmm. where there's... Uh, all of the, all of the things we need for mass to, to prepare and the get accoutrema. ready. And so the priest goes and, um, puts on vestments that have significance for the prayer. Mm. And they have meaning for the prayer that they both teach the priest and prepare the priest for that prayer, for praying the prayer of the mass. And then, um, are also instructive to, uh, the people as the priest stands in the front in the person of Christ Leading this prayer to the Father. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first thing that um, the priest now wears. Now, there's. I should just one one little note that um, the vestments of the priest have changed through time, yeah. and that um, there are some that have remained and others that have uh, come and gone. And uh, so, I'll go through the ones that we use now mm-hmm. and that are part of our our uh, Latin rite. Um, So the first one is called an amice. This is like a... Kind of looks like a napkin. It's a square uh, cloth that we wrap around um, our collar or kind of our neck. It's like a cape. Yeah, it's like a little little cape. Um, Practically, uh, it's meant to... Uh, take care of the sweat so that you don't stain all the vestments and have to wash them constantly. The nuns, thank you. Uh, But that's not the beautiful symbolism. The beautiful symbolism is attached to this prayer that we pray as we put that one on. It says, Lord, place on my head the helmet of salvation, that I may overcome the assaults of the devil. So here you start with this prayer of protection of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and you start by touching, you know, there's kind of a form, you, you can touch that amos to your head and then put it over your shoulders and mm. wrap it around. And, um, that's, and that's the prayer. I'm going into this thing. Um, not everybody loves this, particularly the devil and <laughs> uh, his crew. They don't like this prayer. Amen. They don't like priests. They don't like Christians. They're going to try to get in the way. But we want the protection of God. That comes as a grace from God. So we say a little prayer and then symbolize that with the, the Amos. Okay, that's the Amos. Then we put on the Alb. Alb is a word that means white. So it's just a white garment. Okay. This is the one... A lot of the altar servers will also wear an Alb. Um, but this Alb is a symbol of purity okay. and of consecration. So one of the things... Th- one of the sources of the vestments is what we know of the Old Testament priesthood. Mm. The priesthood that led uh, people to being open and ready for the coming of God into the world in Jesus Christ. And then the priesthood that he took up, Jesus as a Jew, as the new high priest mm. of uh, the people of God. Okay. So in the temple, in the Old Testament, we, we know, uh, we hear that the priests wore white. It was a symbol of purity and their separation from the world. Holiness. It's yeah. holiness, cleanliness, something like this, purity. Mm-hmm. Um, during this the second temple period, we hear a lot of reports about how amazing it was to watch the priests yeah. in white um, going about their priestly duties. Some were singing in a choir 24 hours a day in the temple. Others were... Uh, accepting sacrifices from people. Others were offering sacrifices, and that would be bloody, but they have these white garments stained by oh. blood. And it would have been a profound thing to see all of these uh, priests in their white vestments. Okay. And one of the sources of history, the letter of Aristeas, talks about how impressive it was to see uh, all of these many priests doing all of their service in silence. Hmm. Um, and the only sounds that were going on, you can imagine, this is like a butcher shop with all the sacrifices, yeah. lots of animals, cows, bulls, birds, lambs being brought and, uh, and sacrificed constantly. Um, but the only sound was the sound of the music, hmm. the sound of the choir singing the psalms. It's a beautiful thought. So all these priests wandering around in white and consecration, when we talk about consecration or holiness... Those are words that um, come from a sense that there is a separation between God and the world. And that uh, there's, a, there's something holy, there's something profound, there's something higher in God. And that the ministers of God, his servants, his uh, workers in the temple, are supposed to be close to him. Are supposed to be on that other side, on the other side, closer to God, sanctified, Amen. separate. Okay, so it's a symbol of holiness, the alb. The prayer that goes with it that the priest prays in the sacristy is, Lord, purify me from all stain and cleanse my heart. That being made white in the blood of the Lamb, I may enjoy eternal delights. Hmm. And that prayer refers to um, a description of the temple of the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. You know, remember all those people dressed in white? Cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, hmm. uh, who is Jesus, and who now reigns in heaven, uh, a beautiful symbol, you know that that cleansing that comes yeah. from the sacrifice of Jesus.
1: It reminds me of the uh, the baptism garments that any Christian would wear after yes. baptized, and especially up until Pentecost, they'd wear the white. And you, you talked about the the impressive seeing the priest, uh, the, the the being impressed by the priest wearing the white. Um, if you if you're in Denver and you ever drive on the Sunday down Sixth Avenue, like near Pearl the uh, Ethiopian church there, like when they let out the Ethiopians, they will all wear white on oh, Sundays. Yeah. It is absolutely gorgeous. Just seeing the, the church us out and they tend to walk to like nearby restaurants and things like that to eat. And you just see this this flow of people down Sixth Avenue just all wearing white. And the white the white is the the reflection upon, of course, Sunday's the day of the resurrection. So they're the the a reflection upon the resurrection of Christ and their original baptism. So they're in a sense whenever they're celebrating the Eucharist they're always Celebrating the resurrection, therefore, they're celebrating the fact that Christ made them pure, and by Christ's blood and by His resurrection, they are made pure. And so, they all wear pure white, and they 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 go about their lives on Sundays wearing this this white that is just, it's striking. It's so impressive to see them come. I, I love that tradition.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. I was living in Jerusalem <coughs> for a semester, and um, I remember seeing the Ethiopians walking around in the white. Mm. You know, that was a profound symbol. It was also a witness to. Sunday, the Lord's Day. Yes, exactly. That in this place, this is being celebrated, this resurrection of Jesus, and um, beautiful. And so I'll I'll get to the common priesthood again, but Mm. I just want to note that the priest wears an alb. He wears this white garment that he received in baptism. He doesn't get that when he becomes a priest. He gets that when he's baptized. Right. It's a dignified garment. It's beautiful. It shows what God has done for him what the, the Lamb has done in his sacrifice, Jesus has done for us. Now, every single person in that church has has a white garment. They've been baptized. Yeah, They've received that white garment from baptism. And we don't wear that like the Ethiopians wear that, but you have it. Right. If you're coming to Mass, you have that white garment. You've been given a white garment at your baptism. Sometimes we use this little... Silly little napkin or like, yeah. a, what is a that? Like, like a bib. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't have the tradition. Sometimes some cultures dress up the kids in white. Um, you have a baptismal dress or mm-hmm. a suit that's white. And uh, that, that's, the, that's that baptismal garment. And we could make a rule, I suppose, that everybody who's Catholic wears white every Sunday. Yeah. They have a right to that. Yeah. They have a right to seeing that, um, but because it would might be you know uh, another obligation, or I don't know for what reason historically we don't wear white every time. Um, but um, you could look around the church and imagine that everybody there has that white garment. And when you look at the sanctuary, the reason we're we're wearing it, and the altar servers are wearing it, is as a reminder that everybody there has that baptismal dignity, yeah. and and separation from the rest of the world, yeah. somehow. God has separated you through baptism, brought you through the waters. You're on the other side, yeah. and, and there's a holiness there that is,
1: uh, is profound. Washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, like you said, which yeah. is, of course, the beautiful irony of blood is red, and you're wearing pure white, but that there's a, that's the paradox, again, yeah. of Christianity. Yeah, Christ washes clean by his blood. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, it's beautiful. So there's also obligations to that and responsibilities and rights that you have and a beautiful mission that you have. And I want to get back to that. That's what I want to get back to with the common priesthood. But let me go through a couple of the other vestments that will also become important. So the next one is a cincture. It's like a belt, a rope that the priest uh, puts around his waist. And uh, the, the prayer that goes with that one is, Lord, gird me with the cincture of purity and quench in my heart the fire of concupiscence that the virtue of continence and chastity may remain in me. So um, there's a it's it's a symbol of purity, of um, sexual purity, chastity, of yeah. chastity, of a dedication to God. This is where my heart is. Hmm. My heart is not in um, looking for looking for women, looking for romantic relationships. It's not in any other kinds of relationships. My heart is given to to God. Yeah, that's the continent. That's the chastity, and. It says, quench in my heart the fire of concupiscence. So this is, I, I like this prayer because it admits that priests are human. Yeah. That there's a fire of, con- <laughs> concupiscence kind of means the weakness that comes from the fall. Hmm. That we're not perfect. Not only do we s- sin, but we're also just uh, weak. That we have a weakness. And hmm. we'd like to give our heart entirely to Jesus. We want to give our, all of our love to God. But uh, that's hard to do. Yeah. And so we're praying, Lord, help me with that. Quench in my heart the fire of concupiscence that the virtue of continence and chastity may remain in me. Amen. And that's been a kind of a perennial tradition that this is an important thing, that total givenness, that purity of heart, that total love of God is the right preparation for this prayer. Hmm. You know, to try to be like Jesus that way. Um, so that's the, that's the cincture that goes around the waist, the, the rope. Okay, and then uh, the priest puts on a stole. That's the, I don't know, how would you describe the look of a stole?
1: It's a long, thin piece of cloth that goes over the back of the neck and hangs down on the right and left side of the neck, down the right. front of the priest's vestment. Yeah.
0: And then it's usually the same color as the big chasuble that he wears, yeah. and um, liturgically colored, and, and then it has tassels on the bottom right. sometimes. I don't know if that's necessary, but it's uh, it's there sometimes. And um, this one, this the stole, is a symbol of... Uh, the authority and Mm. dignity of the priesthood, and then of uh, immortality. So the prayer goes like this. Lord, restore to me the state of immortality, which was lost to me by my first parents. And although I am unworthy to approach your sacred mysteries, grant me eternal joy. Mm. So something was lost. When Adam and Eve sinned, um, and we're all affected by that sin, because of original sin, we've lost a sort of dignity and authority Mm. over ourselves and over the world, and um, among each other, hmm. that is restored by the grace of Jesus, and is um, symbolized by this leader, the priest, who's kind of in front, hmm. uh, reminding people who they are and leading them at, in the person of Christ.
1: In, in the Byzantine tradition, we, we get we get kind of insecure a lot about the various sacraments that we're performing. That you know, we are human, but we're we're in the place of Christ in many ways. John Christendom says that, but but the uh, the the stole, what we call the epitrachelion, that is then placed over the head of the penitent when they're going to confession so like we we don't have we don't have the screen in confession it's always face to face so like when, when the priest is is absolving the penitent he actually takes his epitrochelion, takes his stole and he puts it over the person's head and puts his hand on top of that so that it's very obvious that it's by the authority of the priesthood symbolized by the epitrachylian by the stole it's by this authority it also in a sense it's usually a dark color symbolizes the blood of christ washing away the person's sins but the priest is almost like insecure about putting his own hands because in the mm. East you always put your hands on top of the person's mm. head for absolution. So instead of putting his own hands and touch the person's head, he he touches it with his stole so that there's the, this is by the authority the priest had given to me. And then the priest says during absolution, um, "and I unworthy, although." All, and I, although unworthy by the power of giving me, forgive and absolve you of all of mm. your sins so he he recognizes by the use of that stole that if Terhelion recognized the authority given to him so it very much tangibly becomes that symbol of authority and the fact that let me put this over your head as I pray the prayer of absolution because it is the authority given to me by Christ himself, who's the real one forgiving sins mm. that, that that's making this possible. so I'm glad we share that that symbolism of of the of the stole of the trillionium between the churches
0: and yeah. the and the prayer that admits the <sighs> Um, that we're unworthy of this, yeah. And exactly. yet, God has done this strange and beautiful thing, which is to give His authority to uh, human beings—sinful, weak human beings. Oh, yeah. it's it's amazing. I, I think that's one of the more profoundly amazing things to me as a priest. As uh, I've been a priest for five years, it's mm. not a whole lot of time, but I'm constantly reminded that I'm now—I'm now, i can't do this. <laughs> Who am I? Amen. You know, I'm a uh, little Michael Rapp, and yeah. um, it's true, I'm not worthy, but because Jesus wants to be present in the world, because yeah. God wants his love to be known, uh, Jesus has given us this authority, given us his spirit, given us this um, power in the world to make him present in the Eucharist, to make him present in confession, to speak the words of God to people. It's a profound mm-hmm. and amazing and very humbling. Yeah. You, you're never going to be worthy. And, and I,
1: I think it's in 2 Corinthians that St. Paul says, I am absolutely unworthy of being an apostle, but I am what I am. In other words, he, he's, he's accepted what Christ has called him, even though he's totally unworthy. So we, we could cry out, unworthy, 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 all we want to God. But it's like, at the end of the day, God says, yeah, you are. But I gave you this gift anyway. Like, yeah. I made you a priest anyway, so get over it. Be a good priest. Like, yeah. I, I, I stand in my place. You'll always be unworthy, but I've given you the gift anyway. So, yeah. so, so thrive in that, live in that.
0: Yeah, it makes me think of Peter. So right when Jesus meets Peter, Peter says, when, when Jesus does a miracle and reveals to him like who this man is, on the boat, yeah. Peter says, get away from me. Uh, I, I'm a sinful man. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy. And Jesus is inviting him, you come and follow me. And Peter says, no, no, I can't do it. And Jesus says, you follow me.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's it. And then at the end, uh, when they're on the beach... Jesus says, "Do you love me?" And Peter says, he's, like kind of disappointingly, he knows he's betrayed you. He yeah. he has denied Jesus, and he says, "I love you." And Jesus says, "Feed my sheep." Mm-hmm. You know, and I lo- I just love that scene because you see Peter is not worthy, yeah. And yet Jesus says, "I I'm going to give the people I love most. I'm going to entrust them to you." And yeah. it's uh, humbling. Amen. I mean, really beautiful. Okay. So uh, that's the stole. And then the chasuble goes on top. That's the the brightly colored one with um, usually liturgical colors. And uh, depending on what kind of a mass or what time of the year and these kinds of things. So uh, when the chasuble goes on, it says, the prayer says, Lord, who said my yoke is sweet and my burden light? Grant that I may carry it so as to obtain your grace. So this is... uh, this is a sign of the yoke of Christ. You know, this is I'm putting on the burden of Jesus. I'm putting on uh, a sign that says I follow you. And a yoke is that thing that you, that binds those two oxen. Yeah. Do you remember that yeah. when you're plowing a field, and you got two oxen connected by a uh, wooden uh, contraption. I don't know, like on yeah. their shoulders, and then they pull together. And the priest is saying, I'm I'm pulling with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk with you, leading these leading these people in mm. prayer and in my work and in my life of service for uh, for the church and for the world. Um, I'm taking on the yoke. And then reminded of how Jesus had said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't worry, priest. It's going to be okay. Hmm. We're taking care of this. Yeah. Um, it's also, the chasuble is a symbol of, um, that comes from that Old Testament priesthood. You remember the, the priest in the in uh, the Jewish high priest would wear this. Um, what do you call this thing? Oh no, I'm a scripture scholar. I can't remember the name of the the breastplate with with all the stones on it. You remember the 12, the, name name the twelve stones that represent the twelve tribes know how of it Israel? Looks, but
1: I, I don't know the name. Oh, for shame! All right,
0: okay. email it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't be too hard on me. Remind us. Oh no, I better get back to Rome. and you've yeah. <laughs> off again. too
1: long, hanging out with us. Uh,
0: so he's wearing the ephod. That's called called the ephod. Um, So it's a colorful thing that everyone can see and say, oh, this man is taking all of the prayers and needs and desires and love and the life of all of these 12 tribes and bringing them before God constantly. This is his role. He is supposed to take up the people and the concerns of the people and bring them to God. And uh, so this intercessory role, Hmm. he has a garment, we wear this colorful garment that, is, uh, that speaks of that same role. This priest is supposed to gather the prayers, the lives, the concerns, um, everything about these people, and bring them to God. And that's supposed to be the prayer that we're participating in. Hmm. That Jesus, in his sacrifice on the cross, brought together all the lives and the prayers of his body, and then offered them to our Heavenly Father. Hmm. And, um, and so the, the priest enters in, offers the sacrifice, the, the continual sacrifice of Jesus uh, on that cross as a gift of uh, to the Father, as an offering to the Father, and as an offering of the lives of the people, everything that they are and that they love and that they want, and um, brings that to the Father, Amen. that chasuble. Um, yeah, have... so they're beautiful vestments, a lot of prayers. I don't know, do you have particular prayers in your...
1: Yeah, we do. We, we have almost all the same themes, but uh, but okay. for, for different vestments, ironically, but... Um, you, you blew my mind with with the quote about the yoke because I love that passage from my yoke is these like oh, yeah. Come to me all you heavy burden and find life burdensome, et cetera. The, the, and I never I never real. I mean I always of course when I'm preaching or when I'm praying, think about the yoke of Christ. Like when we when we come to Christ burdened, we're coming with our own burdens, with with our own yoke, like the kind of the yoke we put on ourselves. But I think I even talked about this in one of these podcasts, but in uh but what what Christ's yoke is is light and easy, so we take off one yoke, our own, put on his. Ours is too heavy for us; we get exhausted. His is lighter. His, his is easy, and, is, mm. and I, But I never realized. I, I know that image of the two oxen, but I never thought about the fact that it's it's not only a single yoke when it's Christ; it's it's a double yoke. Yeah, so we're it's the priest mm. walking with the people is one of the ideas of the double yoke. Another one is that it's Christ yoked to us, so we're, we're carrying the yoke together. If it's His yoke, then 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 we. We jump in the kind of the co-pilot seat, the the other yoke next to his, yeah. and then as a as a priest, in some ways we symbolize we symbolize Christ. We stand in place of Christ, but we also walk with our people because we we want to carry their yokes. So there's this beautiful tradition. I, I forget what, where the story comes from. It might even be in in the in the uh, Philokalia. Anyway, uh, the uh, the story of, of a priest who who had a penitent come to him, a, so a spiritual child. Came to a spiritual father, and the spiritual tie comes to the spiritual father and and confesses this ongoing temptation. This I I don't know what doesn't say what it is, but this ongoing horrible temptation he has every single day. He's burdened by this temptation, so he comes to a spiritual father. He asks for absolution and confession. Spiritual father gives him confession. The guy walks away, never to have that temptation again. But now the spiritual father has it, and he deals with it every day. And it's like he he literally lifts this young man's burden to to remove it from him, and he puts it on his own back. But but the burden the man created for himself therefore it's exhausting when the pre when the spiritual father the priest took it upon himself it was a burden that christ took oh, so yeah, it was lighter and Jesus. easier even oh. though it was a burden it was the same thing so in the east we actually have the 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 pectoral cross that a priest wears so he puts that on top of everything else, and that has a chain going on the back. And practically, that that chain, kind of like you mentioned, for the what's the first thing, Amos, the, the Amos, the Amos, yeah. it, it symbolizes, um, kind of, uh, it has a practical purpose and a spiritual purpose. So the the chain running down the priest's back just is kind of to balance the weight out, so he's not like kind of pulling his head down because it's all metal. I mean, it, the cross is heavy, um, but that kind of came to symbolize the the yoke of his people so oh, yeah. like you'd have like like a pastor I, I i've heard different traditions i don't know how how real this is but you know a pastor would have a longer one as like a metropolitan or a bishop because he has more more souls more sheep and then uh, you know a parochial vicar oh, or yeah, a pastor would have a shorter so the the burden is is kind of practically physically less um but yeah we, we have we have a, a lot of the similar things but like for instance the um what we call the the puyas the instead of a singhshu we actually have a wide piece of cloth okay. and th- that that is that is for like being girded for a journey or for a battle so like it, the purity is still there but it's it's more the sense of um you know if you if, if everybody was wearing uh an alb or what we call a um oh my gosh now i'm spacing like you are a uh uh stichron. well if we're wearing that <coughs> If everybody wore one of those, like if you had to work in the fields, or if you had to go into battle, you 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 tie yourself up, you gird yourself with something oh, yeah. in order to to be able to move easier, move quicker, like in, in battle. So that's kind of what that symbolizes. We have the we have the cuffs for for the hands, which which symbolize the um kind of like kind of the hands of God. So like like for the uh for for the cuffs, the priest will say your right hand, O Lord, is magnificent in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has shattered the enemy. Oh, in your great cool. majesty, you have overthrown your adversary. So the priest's right hand is the right hand of God, the power of the God. Then when he puts on the left, your hands have created me, informed me, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So like the the creative hand of God that we reflect upon, the order, the structure of the world, is, is the cuffs that he says. um, Instead of uh, symbolizing purity, like like the uh, the sticharon that he, that he puts on first, kind of like the alb in the west, my soul rejoices in the Lord, for he has clothed me with a robe of salvation, with a mantle of justice, similar. Yeah. He has wrapped me like a bridegroom adorned with a crown, like a bride bedecked with jewels. So it's, it's like the, the beauty of the garment that Christ has called him to in, in the ministry. Um, nice. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm getting lost here. I, that, I was actually reading that from the deacon. Okay, but it's the same thing. Uh, but, but the priest, when he puts on the uh, the, the the stole... He says, blessed be God who pours out his grace upon his priests, like a precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, running down upon Aaron's beard to the hem of his garment. So like the stole running down the front of his vestments symbolizes the oil of anointing, the the, the okay. anointing of mission, being sent to go on a mission. Uh, when he puts on the puyas, the cincture type thing, he says, blessed be God who girds me with strength, makes my way blameless, make my feet swift as the deer's, and setting me upon high places. That's kind of the girding for battle or for work. Then he puts on the right and the left. My favorite, though, is one I do not have. If, if God wills it one day, I'll be, I'll be what we call an archpriest, which is just somebody oh, yeah. who you, you, you carry an extra vestment. And this is a triangle that hangs down your right side. Um, this originally symbolized a sword. So in the early church, um, if, if you were a monk who could hear confessions, you carried a sword. And this showed, you know, the the ability, the the two-edged sword, right, that pierces bone and marrow, yeah. right. So confession, you needed someone. The the sword was a symbol of of the ability to for the person's heart to be pierced, to bind and loose. exactly, and bind the mirrors, mm. m- loose bone and marrow, etc.
0: The sword. Well, you don't have the sword. You can. I don't look, have the sword look yet. To that. Exactly, but but
1: the prayer when that's put on, it's not a real sword, but it's, it's a piece of vestment that looks similar to a sword or like a shield almost says, Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty Lord. Go forth, triumph and reign for the sake of truth and meekness and justice. Your right hand will guide you wondrously, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. Anyway, right. beautiful praise. Yeah, hey, yeah, cool. I almost, when you were talking, I saw the, like, the vesting prayers are kind of a running start in the liturgy. You know, this is yeah. how we prepare ourselves for the immensity of what we're about to do.
0: Yeah. And it's not, they're not always required for us. But it's a great practice for priests to to pray those because right. they're a beautiful reminder of what we're doing and uh, the dignity of the prayer and of our priestly lives. Um, how are we doing with time? I have no idea now. I think we're going about twenty five minutes now. Oh, we are. Maybe? Yeah. We're, okay. We're not that long. Great. So I can. I got another ten minutes to do it. Um, do it. So it's cool to be a priest. You Amen. get to you get to pray for people. You get to really bring them. Uh, and their lives and their cares to God. And you get to symbolize God for the world. You know, you stand in in persona Christi, who, uh, in the person of Christ, who mediates between uh, God and between human beings. And you're always standing kind of in the middle, Mm. negotiating between the two, um, asking forgiveness, trying to reconcile the two, uh, communicating love between these two. And it's a real uh, amazing privilege. I think it's just... uh, a humbling dignity to yeah. be able uh, to be a priest. And it's a hard life, for sure. There's all kinds of challenges. Um, we say uh, we stand in the person of Christ. We become the person of Christ in some way in the world um, as a priest and uh, and bring his presence. Not completely, obviously, but in some way. This is real. You mm-hmm. are conformed to Jesus and uh, at first, you remember, at the beginning of Jesus' life, tons of people followed him. He was like a huge celebrity. Everybody mm-hmm. loves him. He says nice things. He does miracles. He gives people hope. Uh, they just love him. Right. And there's a way, there's a sense that a lot of people just love priests. <laughs> you know, you're a good man. They like that. Yep. You stand for like the uh, kind of the hopes of humanity, that we can be close to God, that we can love God. And we're not perfect. People know that. But uh, there is something just like hopeful yeah. You know that God cares and that this this here's a man who who cares about people and um and serves you know you you get to to be like Jesus that way now that was not the full the whole story for jesus 's <laughs> life uh Jesus was rejected um, he was difficult to follow he was rejected for a reason because people were afraid of him somehow i mean all he did was do like cure blind people and right tell people good news, God loves you, there's hope, there's hope for eternal life, and then there was something that went wrong, and there's a mystery in in humanity that fallen human beings, like ourselves, including ourselves, have a problem with God, Mm. and we um, have a fight. There's something about us that fights with God and says, I don't like your authority, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't like that you're so great, and who am I? What does that make me? How does that make me feel?
1: Yeah, I don't want to submit.
0: I don't want to submit. I don't want to. I don't. We we have a hard time trusting that God is real, that God is love, that God is uh, powerful, that uh, God is out there, and that He cares about us. And so when we get reminded of this, uh, the part of us that doesn't trust reacts, and we don't like it. And ultimately, it killed Jesus. He knew what he was doing. He was okay with that. He came, and he died, and he rose again. And he says, I've, I've conquered sin and evil and death, and um, there is hope for a future that is perfect, but right now it's not perfect, and uh, we get reminded of that sometimes. So sometimes the priesthood is hard. You know, sometimes you feel like a celebrity, people treat you like that, um, they're, you're a sign of hope, and they really thank you and are very grateful. Um, and there's other times... When they treat you like the Jesus at the end of his ministry yeah. and just hate a priest. You know, people who don't even know me will just hate me yeah. on the street. And sometimes they're, um, they're not Christians. They, they're not Catholics. Sometimes they are. Yeah. And, and yet there's something in us that just reacts toward yeah. Jesus in this way. So um, it's, it's threatening as well. It's a dangerous life. Right. Um, that can be, uh, can cause a lot of suffering. So I wanted, one thing I wanted to say to our podcast community, the Catholics, um, is pray for your priests. And I don't want that to be cheap. I don't want to just say, oh, you know, it's nice if you pray for, you. yeah, it's a hard life. And, um, it's a privileged life in a lot of ways, but the whole kind of I'm great thing, Wears off very quickly, yeah. And people are not always impressed, and it's it can be a difficult road to walk. Um, but it's beautiful, and it's something we love, and something we're committed to. Uh, but we need we need prayers and support, and um, Please, and so yeah. I ask for your prayers, and I also ask that, like Jesus said, stop judging. Don't judge a priest. Mm. I, I often hear this guy is a good priest, that guy's a bad priest, right. or people tend to say this guy is a good priest, which means. There's a lot of bad priests out there, right? And it's like, well, you know what? Jesus has chosen this guy, and the bishop has ordained them for ministry and service to the church. This guy is serving you somehow, yeah. And uh, he's not perfect, you know. There's no perfect priest, mm-hmm. but uh, just an appeal. Take it easy, yeah. And, <laughs> Take and, and it and easy. It's easy gonna... to criticize a priest because he's got this role where he has to. He's been in. He's been asked by Jesus to serve the church this way, right? And, um, but it puts him in a position of vulnerability where people can attack you and say, um, more than other people, I think, or in other ways, a lot of people can take their shots and say, I don't like you for this or that or that reason,
1: you know, I I don't absolutely true. And I, my biggest issue is when people, people will judge me like not to my face behind my back, you know, like I, I don't Mm. mind people coming up to me and, and, it's hard to explain sometimes that's why i love you guys so much like i love being a companion in this fraternity we're in because there are certain things if anything like i some a father comes to me and wants to vent about his wife it's like I, I i can't i can't reflect upon that but but like you know with my brother priest i can go and i can say sometimes i feel like like people think i am just this rock that is unmoved and this perfect christian and like n- n- never fail they're never vulnerable and and I need to be that to my people. I mean, that—that's that, the call. We we're we're supposed to be Christ to our people, but there is a certain vulnerability that that I, I hope that people see, and that they stand in awe of the fact that God called this guy to the priesthood. You know, if yeah. someone starts criticizing him, like, yeah, call my bishop up. Like, it's his fault. Like, he <laughs> yeah. ordained me. You know, yeah, like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he will told me to do this. So there, there's a there's a, a very real sense of. You know, same thing with us and our bishops, right? We, we priests can sometimes sinfully sit around and kind of rag on our bishops. You know, we, yeah. we someone in authority over us. We have that, that that temptation, but we shouldn't judge our bishops harshly yeah. either. And and there's a there's a sense of of the love we need to have, but also kind of we stand in awe, like like I stand in awe of my bishop, and she's like, you know, I don't want to use it as an example, <laughs> but like with, with me, like people should look and say, like I stand in awe of the fact that God took this this weak, you know, human being and called him to to stand in his place to administer the sacraments to run a parish to lead me my soul you know to take care of that. And I know what that's going to happen is, is at the throne of God, at the judgment, like I'm going to be standing there and he's going to call me to account for every single one of my parishioners. And I really hope that at that moment, I don't have my parishioners being like, yeah, it's his fault. Like he didn't say this right, or yeah. he didn't lead this way, but rather kind of standing up saying, you know, Lord, we prayed for him. You know, we loved him. Like yeah. I, I, I forgive him for any mistakes he's done. So yeah, love us, forgive us, pray for yeah. us. Please.
0: Yeah. And know that we're, we are aware, at least to some degree, that we're not worthy of this. Yeah, and um, And we got to be careful. we got to be really careful about judging other priests and, like yeah. you say, the bishops. And it's hard. When somebody else is in charge and when it's somebody else is in control, yeah. it's like, oh, I would do it differently. Um, I don't like the way they do this. This is a scandal. This is this that. You know. And um, that's real. You know, but we got to pray for each other. Right. When we see that, we say, right. Lord, help them. Give them the grace, you know, give them conversion, give them sanctification. And uh, so that's beautiful. And thank you for prayers. Um, Finally, I'm going to do just a quick um, common priesthood plug. Okay, so I worked this summer with a lot of young Catholics, uh, young adult Catholics. So not kids, but um, this is like, I don't know, after college, 20-somethings, 30-somethings. And a lot of them are wondering, like, where do I fit in in uh, in the church? And how, you know, like, who am I as they discern uh, certain things about their life? And usually the the question is, what is your vocation? What is it? You know, are you called to religious life? Are you going to be a nun or a brother? Or are you called to the priesthood? Or are you called to marriage? Are you going to serve, serve Jesus this way um, uh, with family life and marriage? And a, a lot of people are just kind of, that hasn't been settled yet. Mm. Okay, so there's a long time of life. I think this is for everybody, where we're in a point of saying, "Who who am I and how do I serve Jesus?" And so, all too often, I think we jump quickly to, "How can I do something big?" Right. You know, "Do I have to fly to Africa and serve people as a missionary in Africa?" Right. Well, that's profound thought, and a lot of people want to do something profound for Jesus. Do I have to go and join a religious order? Do I have to whatever? There's all this uh, this this big project of discernment, and we we got to do that. We got to ask Jesus, what do you want from my life? What's my permanent vocation? These things, but I see in every Christian that I meet this this noble desire to serve Jesus with everything yeah. and to be a missionary. Amen. You know, and there people are jealous of priests because they get to give their whole life, of nuns, of missionaries, of uh. Parents who, who give, their, give their all in, the, in the Christian life. And um, so I just want to remind all those people, if you're, any, if you're one of those Catholics out there who are looking for, what is my mission in life? Well, part of that, I can assure you, comes from your baptism. And you don't have to go find it, and you don't have to go uh, discern like, where, uh, where Jesus wants you to go finally or ultimately. It. Yeah. But it's there. Yeah, and that part of that mission is that you are called to um, something, uh, well, you're called to the priesthood,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, a common priesthood. It's not the ministerial priesthood. It's not an ordained priesthood uh, in holy orders, the sacrament of holy orders. It's different in some way to that sacrament. But in baptism, we know that we become priests for Jesus. Mm. In the book of Revelation, you hear that, the The whole people of God have become a uh, a kingdom of priests mm. that will re- that reign on the earth. Uh, in uh, the letter of Saint Peter, the second letter of Saint Peter, he says, he says, you are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Mm. And he's speaking to everybody. He's speaking to the whole church. All of all of you receive that white garment, that alb, that sets you apart from the rest of the world for a mission. Uh, all of you have a mission that is something like what the priest does, to stand between God and the people. And there are lots of people that we priests will never meet. They're threatened by Jesus. They're threatened by God. They're afraid. They they may not just—circumstances might never bring them to a church. Hmm. Um, You might meet them, and your mission is to go and bring their lives. When you come to Mass, you bring their lives, their cares, their prayers, just like the priest takes care of the people in the church, Mm -hmm. and he brings all their prayers. Everyone in there is a priest that goes out into the world, meets people, speaks to them about God, hears their cares, hears their worries, brings them with them to the Mass, and offers them to God. That's beautiful. Uh, There's a mission there. you got to look at your life. you got to ask, who am I uh, called to pray for? Who am I called to minister to, to serve God this way? Um, maybe it's to speak to them about God. Maybe it's to bring them to church. There's a lot of people who don't want that. Uh, you can still pray for them. You can yeah. take care of them and serve them um, with this sense of common priesthood. So I just yeah. exhort you all. Yeah, it's like a fervorino.
1: Yeah, I, I, I never thought of it that way. The, we, it is very important that when we come to church, especially on Sunday, the day of the resurrection, that we, we bring with us our intentions for all the people, especially those who are not there, our our bosses, our our employees, our friends, and our families, those who won't come, we in a sense can bring them through intercessory prayer and allow Christ through the sacrifice of the mass, the divine liturgy, to, to have an effect on them through us. We become intercessors and mediators for them. And that's exactly right. When we are baptized, we participate in the life of Christ when we participate in the life of Christ, therefore we participate. Since He is a priest, prophet, and king, therefore we participate in His life. Now we are priests, prophets, and kings, and in 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 Christ. And so, why not take that role so seriously that we come the Divine Liturgy Mass and we say, you know, here I am representing the people that God has given me to minister to in whatever yeah. that means in my daily life. That's beautiful. Thank yeah, you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go be the priest. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um shoutouts I got one well do you want to give yours because I got to find mine
1: uh, I don't really have oh, any yeah. actually I, I sorry I haven't checked the Gmail in, in way too long so last time I did a bunch of shoutouts like from Gmail from contact oh I know yes we got well no I'll save that for when Goble's back Gobel's off doing priestly things so Rap and I took over the uh, the podcasting studio here but when Goble gets back I got a shout out I'm going to wait for he's back for me so.
0: okay Kraken Lauren McCracken This is a shout-out for Lauren McCracken, an accountant from Crystal Lake, Illinois, friend of my sister Rose, uh, who faithfully listens to the podcast. Thank you. You are a faithful fangirl. She called you a faithful fangirl. Lauren McCracken, thank you. God bless you. And um, Steve Smith, he runs a gym called Divine Mercy CrossFit that we used to uh, work out at um, as much as we could, but it's hard, that CrossFit. Um, he is uh, a faithful Catholic and a faithful listener to uh, the podcast so uh, Steve thank you for your witness and may God bless you
1: I need to get into that I'm, I'm too newly a companion to, to know that you know I'll give a shout out I have a cousin that I love immensely Sarah Louise Dawson I grew up with her right across the street and she's, a, she's not Catholic um, never was but, but she listens to the podcast and gives me feedback which I absolutely love so Sarah Louise love you thanks for being a listener appreciate it immensely and I hope I want to see you soon
0: okay thanks for doing this podcast with me
1: yeah thank you for hello, doing this hello. this is yeah, I'm gonna miss you man this feels good we'll, we'll do it again sometime right. personalities are so different in the podcast but I like this yeah, we all kind of fit somehow alright listener land God bless you guys love you take care yeah call uh, it right on the,
0: that email address that we give you every time that I don't know oh yeah
1: uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com uh, like us on facebook
0: Tchau!